You're listening to the Nutanix Community Podcast with Dwayne Lesnar and Angelo Luciani, episode 70. Here we go. Welcome back. I hope many of you are taking time out to enjoy the summer. This week on the podcast, Dwayne speaks with John Kohler on a variety of topics, ranging from NVMe, performance, multi-queuing, hybrid systems, and much, much more. Let's join the conversation. Today's guest is someone that I wanted to have on ever since the last Dot .next. I had stumbled my way through two different sessions between completing my own, and it was a session on Intel and performance, and also a healthcare session. And uh, so I found myself kind of actually impressed, usually at big conferences, even on like advanced level sessions, you really don't go that deep. It's, you know, you have a broad audience that you have to cater to, but I was presently surprised. And one of the the main people in both sessions was John Kohler. And welcome, John. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I think you've been on before. Uh, it's great to have you back. Uh, what I like to touch on today is around performance in general. I think Nutanix is always continuing to improve on on performance. I think it's you know something that's always changing, just like you know businesses change, applications change. Um, and with that said, being in the enterprise space once upon a time, I feel like. Most of the things that we'll talk about today are probably irrelevant irrelevant for most of us in the sense that, you know, the, the applications that need this great level of performance, uh, which is also like in my mind, like the boogeyman, you know, people like, oh, I need to have this feature and that feature. But the reality is you probably don't uh, for most workloads, at least that's that's my opinion. But um, maybe, John, just you know, getting things kicked off, maybe just tell us about where, where you've been lately. Um, cause I think it's relevant to, uh, what we're going to talk about. Sure. Yeah. So, um, uh, since the last time I've been on, I moved around a little bit, um, currently an engineering director here at Nutanix and I oversee our healthcare product group in the core engineering, uh, area. And, uh, in our group, we support the healthcare vertical, which is uh, one of the larger slices of business that Nutanix does. And healthcare, as a general overview, uh, has very strict performance and availability requirements, as you might expect out of, uh, you know, not mission critical or business critical, but life critical applications um, like electronic health record databases, for example. So, um those are an intense focus for us to make sure that our platform is fit for purpose for these various medical packages. So I would uh, customers deploy our solutions in the field, just makes it that much easier. Uh, and a lot of the features that we've been delivering and improving on and so on um, aren't necessarily healthcare specific, it's kind of rising tide lifts all boats. So the focus has been heavily on NVMe. Uh, our teams, uh, the one that prototyped uh, uh, all NVMe and Optane support um, and really been pushing the envelope to uh, uh, you know, see where the, the, the tires wiggle at 150 miles an hour, so to speak, and um, have been, been cracking away at that. So it's been really fun. 
Would you characterize those, the applications that need NVMe? Is there like a special grouping that you would place them in or is it pretty varied? So uh, this is kind of probably an atypical answer to what you might expect. Um, honestly, everything, right? And it's not, when we say NVMe, that's like uh, going from IDE drives in the days of yesteryear to SATA or SCSI. Um, it's just a controller interface and protocol change. Um, NVMe as a storage controller um, can be the front end for just about anything. Like, so if you look, for example, what AWS and GCP do, um, they present you an NVMe disk, which is backed by something on the back end. It's just a standard interface. Um, and NVMe as a spec is actually designed for storage, whereas things like SCSI are designed for storage and printers and all sorts of other shenanigans. Um, and you can have all sorts of different types of mediums behind that. So you can have the traditional types of solid state drives, um, NAND, as well as a whole bunch of other things. Um, so that's why you know, the answer to the question really is everything, because ultimately um, the supply chain price has come down on NVMe-based devices where uh, it's basically a parity with what you'd have with a SATA or SAS-based drive. So uh, you'll see both Nutanix and I suspect a good clip of the rest of the storage players just switch whole hog. Um, and for all applications, you know, even if you're not having some blazing fast requirement um, where you need the Ferrari with the spinning rims, um, ultimately NVMe is going to deliver better performance, better experience, um, better quality of service. Um, and doing all of that at a lower CPU cost per I.O., it's kind of a win-win-win-win-win-win-win on all sides. Is, is it that easy just, you know, sw switching out the controller? Like my understanding, there are some negatives to the, the protocol, at least NVMe, from a availability standpoint or what you can do from serviceability. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is an area where we put a tremendous amount of work. Um, you know, if it was just as easy as, okay, replace that doodad with this doodad, you know, we would have had this conversation 18 months or before um, ago. So uh, you can think of NVMe as literally wired directly into the CPUs of the system, um, which really aren't designed for devices, uh, you know, disappearing on demand if they die or, um, you know, being hot swapped or things like that. So we've been working on a couple different aspects. Uh, different server manufacturers have different ways of servicing NVMe devices. Um, we've been uh, busting our butt to make the Nutanix serviceability of NVMe devices as um, uh, comprehensive and, you know, to a certain extent, generic as possible. So the kind of mode of operation is the same across various manufacturers and just abstract abstract that in the back end. So you might, um, you know, if people are Googling after this podcast, you might see technologies like Intel's volume management driver, VMD, um, got support for that coming up. Um, and even before VMD, we've had a really, really tight serviceability and availability story for NVMe, whereas, you know, Candidly, it's just tough. So we had to put a, put a lot of that uh, effort in there, you know, especially when we talk about healthcare and having systems that are available and durable. Uh, it's quite important. So it's a good point. Yeah, if you have uh, 
people like me walking around your data center, you want to make it pretty easier. I'll just take down the whole rack potentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we try to make it as, as consumer friendly as possible. Um, and it, it'll just keep getting better and better as time goes on. And, and NVMe is just wider adopted across the industry. A lot of that stuff will just coalesce, which is nice. So you have like this blazing fast protocol backed by even faster devices. What has Nutanix been doing to kind of help harness some of that that horsepower? Like I know the architecture, you know, while in 2009 was was great, but it also probably needs to evolve. Um, so what are some things that we've been doing? Oh, yeah. And, and this is something that uh, me and the extended team are super transparent about. You know, it just these things just straight up didn't exist um, you know, when we started out in 2009. Uh, so, you know, we're not, we're not too proud to say the design does need to evolve a little bit. Um, and the cool thing is we're doing all this work that I'm going to talk about uh, transparent to the end customer. So um, it is truly changing the wheels on the on the uh, on the bus while we're moving, which is is pretty cool. So um, I've always kind of joked internally that um, NVMe and especially very fast um, medium like 3D Crosspoint, um, also known as Intel's Optane technology, um, is really good at showing you where you suck. Uh, so <laughs> and that's that's a good thing, right? Um, you know, when we had just spinning drives, right? The the proportion of uh, uh, work, uh, whether that's latency or what have you, um, was really on the spinning medium, right? You could, you could have really slow software if you wanted, um, and it wouldn't even show up, right? Um, but as SSDs, you know, started being popular and now NVMe and 3 Crosspoint, um, it's really shifted to a point where the hardware is blazingly fast and other software needs to catch up, which is totally fine, right? Uh, and, uh, we've been addressing that in a couple different ways. Um, one of them that we, we uh, announced at Dot Next, which uh, uh, is called Autonomous Extent Store, um, is just simply a different way of storing metadata about the data that we're reading and writing, um, uh, where we, in essence, transform the system into what I would just roughly call um, uh metadata locality. Right? We've talked a lot about data locality just as a company forever, um, but there is a kind of construct of having the data that represents the data, metadata, um, if it is not um, global to the overall system, meaning you don't actually need certain metadata everywhere, we can pull that local. And what, what we've done is basically do that transformation with Facebook's RocksDB, um, which is a key value store database that you actually compile right into the data path. So there's not even a process hop, which is really cool. So we've pulled a lot of that metadata that doesn't actually need to be global local, um, which has greatly helped the overall um, uh, throughput and uh, ability to drive storage very, very, very hard. Um, and uh, that's you know been one of the keys to unlocking NVMe. Uh, as part of that project, we've rewritten vast portions of the database or the data path, I should say, as hey, we were going through and changing it anyway. So we gave it a extremely thorough spring cleaning, um, which is like kind a of makeover show. Kind of all boats. Um, and the, the last thing I'll say about autonomous extents 
is that when we had it on the dot next, you know, big main stage gazillion foot screen, the little asterisks of the, you know, said two X performance or something, a little asterisk under that was real world healthcare application. So that was kind of one of the guiding lights for our team of, of uh, really putting the, the wood behind the arrow money where our mouth is and all those other puns um, uh, to say that we're really, we're really, really invested in, in making things, you know, kick butt for healthcare applications. And I, I think in 5.10, it was first introduced for all flash systems with a, a set number of drives. Is, yeah, yeah, it, it was. And, and the reality is, and this is like a universal truth for every storage manufacturer, is that anytime you change the way you do stuff um, or format stuff on disk or you know, make reconstructions, so to speak, um, you really want to be prudent about how you roll that out. Uh, so we've got you know, kind of a, a, a gradual rollout plan over the course of 2019. Um, candidly, it has been rock solid, which is fantastic. Um, you know, our team on the healthcare engineering and the extended engineering solutions team been hammering with a sledgehammer autonomous extents for uh, probably no less than 18 months. Um, so all that really hard work has culminated in uh, a very, very high quality feature. So that'll, that'll get kind of, I'll put in air quotes everywhere here shortly over the next couple of releases, which is great. Yeah, I think it's great from a, a customer endpoint that it's not, not being rushed. It's like great to have the speed, but if it creates system unavailability, it doesn't really mean anything. So, so yeah. So like we're, you know, we're reducing system calls by having things local. Sounds like some overhead, like at least with Cassandra, we needed three copies. So we're probably able to to bring that down for metadata, which is always a good thing. Um, yeah. So Cassandra can focus on what it does best and the value it brings for clusters and scalability. And we just take work away from that. So actually end up making the system more scalable and, and this, um, Besides performance and so on, this actually helps us get even larger nodes, um, you know, into the many dozens to many hundreds of terabytes of local capacity. So, you know, unlocking performance and scale at the same time. Yes, please. Let's do it. Now, part, you know, part of those improvements, we're still making redundant copies. So we're, we are going over the network in one uh, one feature I do remember seeing a couple of graphs on, which I guess maybe is not related to this, but it, the network part of it has me turning in my head is around uh, multi-queue, which has been available for a bit. Um, can you maybe just kind of give a brief overview of what we're doing around multi-queue for on Nutanix? Yeah, yeah. So um, the uh, I'll give the brief version. The The one slider picture of this if you were to show a picture is that you have to look at performance and queuing um, completely end to end from the actual user and their application all the way down to the disk um, and you can say what you want about this but latency in that end-to-end -end transaction is generally um, either because something is going terribly wrong uh, you know some sort of failure in a component or more frequently queuing right so 
In um, Nutanix, the most prevalent place you'll see this show up as a benefit to customer applications is in the uh, data path for uh, the Acropolis hypervisor, uh, which the internal name is Frodo. Uh, the, the name actually doesn't matter, but what it does is create a lockless I.O. path for um, customer applications and their virtual machines where they can use things like Linux's um, BLKMQ or SCSI MQ um, uh, uh, kernel runtime, or I should say uh, kernel configuration, which is actually baked into Linux to address the underlying storage um, with multiple paths and less locks. Um, so really that data path is actually helping unlock the inherent goodness inside of um, uh, uh, recent Linux kernel revisions, which is really kick butt. And we've done the same thing for uh, Windows applications. We actually drove that with our certification of Meditech electronic health record on Nutanix, which is a Windows-based app, uh, to have uh, less locks and CPU contention uh, from the storage down to the disk. And we did that with uh, the Vert IO storage drivers in version 1.14. Um, so, you know, you compare A to B um, and you get more throughput, more IO, uh, and less CPU utilization. So it's a win for everybody. Prior to, I guess, if you're a, a hypervisor administrator of some some flavor, you would have to or at least, you know, one thing that I used to do is, you know, you'd create all of these multiple SCSI controllers and have multiple disks to, to alleviate some of that. But some of that goes away now, right? With multi-queuing, you don't really have to have a million and one SCSI controllers. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of making it easy, right? If you click down into the details there, um, various, um, <clears throat> you know, in ESX, uh, which of course you can do on top of Nutanix, but no matter what, um, storage or network platform you use for ESX um, to get a bunch of outstanding threads or a bunch of outstanding I.O. inside of a, um, a guest application, you need to add multiple PV SCSI adapters to get access to additional queues because um, they, they don't have the same construct of having one controller that is multi-ported, so to speak. Um, so with AHV, you just say, well, Okay, I'm going to create this VM. I need 10 virtual disks and walk away. <laughs> you just you just don't it, it, it becomes a superfluous, a superfluous thing at that point. Right? Yeah, I think like where I see it really being a value add in like DR scenarios, typically when you fail anything like that over like and you have potential for drive mappings or you know drive ordering to change, it just really becomes a nightmare to deal with. So um, I'm all in favor of the KISS methodology, I guess. Yeah, and that's really what we're after. It's not to, to beat up customers who uh, you know want to run ESX on our platform or other um, you know, other places, you know, still have a very, very big install base of the vSphere or maybe you know, 60% or so on our platform. And that's great. It's just, hey, if you want this to work better, you have to have a system that supports multiple queues. Um, and we do that out of the box, which is pretty cool. Now, one one thing that's come up in the past, and actually I haven't really heard it too much lately, but um, you know, like no no good deed goes unpunished. 
<laughs> have like a Hadoop paper that's I would say old now, but there was like this jumbo frames recommendation or setting. Um, but like the pain that it takes to set that up. But like, what's your take on jumbo frames with you know this the new world of networking? We're seeing twenty five gig, hundred gig. Uh, does it matter anymore? Well, I'd say that that's one of the things that you can throw hardware at and make it go away. Um, your point about physically faster interfaces um, is also backed up by the, the ASICs that drive those things are physically faster as well. Have larger buffers, um, and just just are faster end to end. So it, it, I would largely say it matters less. Um, you can certainly do it on Nutanix uh, relatively easily, and we've got that super well documented in our knowledge base articles. But you know, candidly, really love the KISS principle, um, and I'm sure anybody who's tangled with jumbo frames would vehemently agree um, it is wicked easy to screw up. And if you don't get it done everywhere and remember to do it everywhere when you expand and you know, move things around – you're going to be um, signing up for some pain. So if you can get the same outcome that you're looking for, which is really what the business cares about, right? If you can get the same outcome you're looking for with a simpler configuration, you know, do it. Uh, and uh, we see that um, time and time again, especially with the uh, faster network switches and um, newer network cards. It just doesn't matter as much. And and uh, the next question is like egg on your face because there's probably not a right answer and we'll just come back and point the finger and either you are a genius or not. What uh, what do you think the state of the world on hybrid systems, at least spinning disk and flash, are they here to stay or should everyone be trying to migrate off? Well, I think there's a place for them. Um, especially in I just need to store this stuff as cheap as I possibly can and don't give, you know, two cares about um, uh, about the performance of a system. I mean, look, at the end of the day, a spinning hard drive on platform A is going to be the same rotational speed as the spinning hard drive on platform B, no matter what it is, Nutanix or otherwise. Um, and the, the tricky bit, uh, about these things is, you know, you see all these manufacturers going, oh, look, I got a four terabyte, six, eight, 10, 12, 16, um, and get bigger and bigger. But hey, guess what? That still spends at 7,200 RPMs. So your ability to do things like um, rebuild the data if a drive fails or do a migration or things, it gets more and more constrained as your kind of IO per gigabyte gets less and less. Um, and you also have from the other side, um, manufacturers like Intel coming out with quad-level cell SSDs, um, which just, uh, you know, in a, in a sense makes, makes the, those, um, storage cells even, uh, more dense. You can st store more data in one spot. So, um, the performance is of course a, a bit better than a hard drive and the cost is maybe a little bit more. So, um, I'm hoping they converge over time because once they converge, just throw the spinning stuff out the window. If you can get the same outcome, like I was saying, same outcome at the same price, you know, why would you use that old technology? So, so we'll see. It's not quite there yet, but um, 
hoping it will be shortly. In the land of IT, nothing truly ever dies. We get to support it forever. Yeah, <laughs> actually, speaking of performance and stuff, we just had an issue um, uh, with a compiler um, change that we made, oh God, in, in March internally. And we pushed um, an update to NCC out and had this new compiler setting. It turns out people actually have their uh, enhanced vMotion compatibility set to like Intel Gen 1. Like the first thing that they support is they click the wrong button. And NCC said, eh, no, now we're not going to work with that. So, you know, to your point, and stuff in IT never dies. Yeah, yeah, I guess there's still some laggards out there. So we'll oh, have man. to tune that up. But it just, um, it really goes to say you can never make too much of an assumption about um, what's going to be out there, you know, and that's a shout out to everybody still running out Windows NT as well. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of fun. I get like, I totally understand the situation, but uh, to have like a, a new processor and then dumbing it down for something that's eight years older is uh, kind of funny looking on the outside anyway. Yeah, yeah. And hey, it's, um, you know, it's just one of those things like, hey, do we think we actually have to QA something that's 10 plus years old? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, luckily in that case, it's just you know, they click the wrong button when they set up BBC. Super easy to get a dodge on that. Um, but, yeah, you can never take anything for granted. And, and to your point earlier, no good deed goes unpunished. Want to give them better performance? Getting whacked for it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Kind of covered a variety of topics. Is there anything on the performance side that you want to share in your world that that might be coming out or things to look at from a, from a customer perspective? Yeah, you know, I think it just summarized a lot of this stuff into options and flexibility. Um, so looking forward, stuff, you know, maybe I'll rephrase the question, what am I excited about? Um, and I'm really excited about the release of all NVMe support. Um, which you know, we originally prototyped a year ago. I, I showed off the first revision of that at .next in London last year. Um, and uh, all NVMe in general, as well as Intel's uh, 3D Crosspoint Optane technology, um, uh, I'm, I'm excited to get that in the public's eyes. It's just a, an option and, and a flexibility if you need to deliver that level of um, performance. But um, with unlocking all NVMe, it really paves the way to say, well, why do we need to ship SAS or SATA or HBAs anymore if the price is the same? Well, that's an interesting question. So I think you'll, you'll see that really explode into the market um, here in the next quarter or two, whenever that comes out. Um, so there's that. And also, um, we're working on a feature with Intel to adopt their storage performance development kit. Um, that's really no secret. And, and that basically gets rid of uh, system calls and interrupts uh, in the storage path. So, you know, when you have these devices going a gajillion miles an hour, um, you know, the typical design of, okay, Mr. Storage System, do this IO and let me know when you're done with it. You know, and the assumption is it's gonna take a while and they'll come back and, you know, interrupt you with a context switch. Um, it's not true anymore because these things can do so much storage that by the time you say, let me know when you're done, they just kind of cut you off mid-sentence, so to speak. 
So um, with the Storage Performance Development Kit, which is also known as SPDK, um, it, it basically turns the system into a polling mode where it's always um, picking up the latest transaction. So you can do just an absolute ludicrous amount of IO at a ludicrous less amount of CPU and a ludicrous latency level. It's just, um, it's just kind of nuts. So I'm working on that and that'll, um, you know, TBD on when we get that out the door, but we're really excited about both of those things. Um, and, uh, now, actually, we just uh, just tested out a change internally. That's even before SPDK. They just increased sequential read by two gigabytes per second per node, um, which is pretty great. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a uh, crazy increase at a if that is at a node level. Yeah, yeah. So it's like three node cluster, you know, going from like twelve gigabytes sequential read to like fifteen point five. So that's one of those things. It's like, hey, here's some free performance. There you go. And just software updates. So. We'll see when that actually uh, hits the street, but it just makes me giddy, like a you know, like a kid on Christmas or what have you. Um, are you going to be gracing the stages at .next Copenhagen? Um, maybe I don't know. I, I don't think the invites have gone out internally, but um, I, I usually go to uh, .next for something, whether it's healthcare or performance. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to it because I've never been to Copenhagen before. Um, I hear it's I hear it's lovely. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hearing the same things. Well, I'd like to personally thank you for coming on and getting my propeller hat turning. I think it was a a great overview of some of performance nuances within Nutanix and in the industry. So uh, thank you very much, John. Happy to help. Thank you for having me. And anywhere we can find uh, your external musings on the internet? Uh, I've been starting to post stuff on a, a LinkedIn blog stream. I used to have kind of an independent one, but figured I'd consolidate. Also uh, on Twitter, uh, more actively, um, uh, handle is a J-O-N Kohler. So. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and we look forward to seeing you online and hopefully in Copenhagen at .next. All right, yeah, likewise. It's going to be going to be a fun year. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out the Nutanix online community at next.nutanix.com for blogs, resources, and connecting with the broader community. .next is happening in Copenhagen October 8 to 10. I hope to see you there. We have a great lineup of technical content, guest speakers, and community fun. Ping me on the community site if you're interested in attending. So with that, from the team here at Nutanix, have a great week.